Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning just to worship you and uh, just the great singing this morning. Lord, I do pray that as we open your word now that you would just speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, that you would just help us to, to realize the truth of your word. Lord, not just to listen to it and to leave, but Lord, to listen to it and allow it to change our lives, to change our hearts, draw us closer to you. Father, would you bless now in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I've been looking at these few verses here the last few weeks. Paul says in verse number 14, I bow on my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a prayer that Paul is giving here. And we've seen that this is Paul's second prayer here in the book of Ephesians. The first prayer was back in chapter 1, but this is his second prayer. The first prayer is um, uh, about seeing the way God wants us to see. The second prayer is about being what God wants us to be. Um, Because if we are not willing to see the way God wants us to see, we will never be what God wants us to be. And so as we look at this second prayer of Paul, we found, first of all, he speaks of these things that he's praying that uh, we would receive that God is giving. He said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So the first thing that Paul prays for in this second prayer is to be strengthened by Christ. We need the strength of Christ. And then he says in verse number 17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And so last week we saw the abiding Christ. We need the abiding Christ in us, um, not just in us for salvation, but abiding in us, living in us day in and day out. But I want you to notice as we come to this end of verse number 17 and really down through verse number 19, there's a, there's a common theme here. He says that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. I think we can see the common theme in these three verses is the love of Christ. And so Paul is praying, as he's praying, he says, I'm praying that you would receive, that God would give you these things, that you would receive them. We need strength. We need the strength of Christ. Number two, he says, uh, we need the abiding Christ. And then here, thirdly, we need the love of Christ. The strength, his abiding, and his love. We're granted these things, Paul says, according to the riches of God's glory. Again, remember what God is offering us is not something that he cannot give. As we saw, his strength, he offers it, the strength that we need in order to live this life as a Christian. His his abiding in us, he offers that to us. And now he says his love. If he's offering it, then he is able to perform it. And when we think of this love of Christ, Paul gives us three examples to help us understand the love of Christ. The first two examples that he gives show us the stability of his love, but the third shows us the magnitude of his love. Notice the first example that he gives is actually botany. He gives us an example of botany. Notice he says, you may be rooted. He talks about being rooted in Christ, right? Uh, when we think of the, the roots of a tree or something, uh, the roots are what hold the tree and give it the stability that it needs to grow. 
That's why it's so important for a tree to be near water and to be able to have its roots dig, uh, sink deep into the soil so that when uh, winds and, and, and storms come, it's, it's not going to fall over. Um, uh, I, I've told you, I, um, we, several years ago, we planted a couple of, of peach trees and we planted a couple of apple trees. And man, a couple years ago, that peach tree, it produced the first peach on it. And I was like, guys, do not touch my peach tree. I want that peach, you know, it's got to stay there. And then last year, that peach tree produced, I think it was about 15 or 16 peaches. Like, man, we're getting, we're getting there. And the peach trees, man, they're just, they're just growing. And then I looked at my apple trees. And if you've been at my house recently, you've seen, I have two apple trees. One of them's not doing too bad, but the other one, it just looks sick. <laughs> but here's what's amazing about it. It actually has apples on it. The, t- the tree that looks really nice has two. I said, Pastor, you're weird. You count your fruit on your trees. Yeah, I do. I want to know what's there, right? The, the tree that looks really good has two apples on it. And no joke. I mean, the, the second tree probably is like as thin as this microphone cable right here, right? It's so thin. And it's like... <laughs> but it's got like... 15 apples on it, right? And it's just like, it's like leaning over. I, te- I keep telling the kids, get out there, stake it out, you know? And, and then what happens? The wind will come and like one of the stakes will break and it, there it goes again. I'm like, man, I got to keep that tree going because it's got fruit on it. He uses this, this example of botany. The roots, that's what hold the tree. That's what give it stability. It needs to grow. The roots are what give the tree the, the food that it needs, when I, when I look at my, my two apple trees and my two peach trees, I can, I can really understand why the peach trees are growing much better than the apple trees are because the apple trees are in a different location. The peach trees are kind of in a, uh, if you know my property, they're kind of in a little cul-de-sac area. And whenever it rains, water just pools there. And those peach trees get all the water that they can get. Apple trees, though, they're not in that area. They're kind of away and there's... It, the water doesn't really pool there. In fact, um, it's near kind of where my wife has planted the garden, and the garden takes all the, the, the water, you know. She doesn't, she doesn't water my apple trees, but she waters her garden. <laughs> Just saying, right? My apple trees need some water too. I know, you're like, go water it yourself, right? Okay. But why? The, the water, it, it, help, it gets into the roots, and it helps the tree to grow. It gives it that stability, Think about what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he, this, this man that he's speaking about in verse number 1 and 2, the one that is blessed, the one that is, that is walking with godly counsel, the one who's not in the way of sinners, the one who's not in the seat of the scornful, the one who delights in the law of God, he says, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season his leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper man Paul says hey I want you to understand you need to be rooted in the love of Christ you need to be rooted in his love man you you ought to be you ought to be so involved in Christ and and reading in his word and understanding his love that man that the roots of our spiritual life are just digging deeper and deeper into the love of Christ 
understanding and, and recognizing the love that he has. In fact, Jeremiah says something similar in Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. He says, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm. And whose heart departeth from the Lord, for he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched place in the wilderness, in a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Again, he talks about this tree that is planted by the waters. Man, the roots are going to be getting all the nutrients and all the food that it needs to be able to grow and, and to be able to produce the fruit. And he says, hey, that's what he's saying. I'm praying that, you will, that you'll, you'll be rooted in the love of Christ. You've got to be rooted in, in the love of Christ if you want that stability. It's not going to come from the world. It's not going to come from your job. It's not going to come from family. If you truly want that stability, it is only going to come from Christ. He says we have to be rooted. Think again that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Remember that, that phrase, according to the riches of his glory. It's not out of the riches of his glory. He's not taking from it. No, it's, it's according to it. Man, he gives and he's got so much more to give. He's never going to run out. His love is never going to run out. And he, so he says, you can, be, you can be rooted in his love. That stability that it brings. The love of Christ. Do you feel like your life is stable? Or do you feel like your life is just kind of everywhere? Maybe it's because you're not rooted. Maybe it's because you're not rooted in Christ. You're not rooted in his love. This is what he says, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Notice the second example that he gives. This idea of grounded, it has to do with architecture. So he gives us an example of botany with a tree being rooted to be able to produce fruit. But then he also gives us architecture. It has to do with the building. He says you have to have the right foundation. You need to be grounded. There has to be a good foundation. There has to be a good foundation. If there's not a good foundation, then the building becomes unstable. It's unstable. Whenever I think of a uh, building that has not been grounded properly, I'm not talking electrical terms, I'm talking foundation terms, architecture terms, there's one house that I think of more than anything else. When we lived in Mbali, the first house that we moved into, found it, it was within our price range, and moved into the house, painted the walls, you know, did everything we wanted to do. And then we started noticing something in the walls. Cracks started forming in the walls. And over there, the walls are built out of brick mud brick and concrete and so if you don't have a good foundation the foundation begins to move and the walls begin to crack and which is not uncommon there not uncommon to have a wall crack the problem was these cracks kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger 
So you could stand on the outside and you could see in the house through the cracks. In fact, the house became known to my children as the crack house. (laughs) Totally different meaning here. Okay? Totally different meaning. This was real cracks that were in the walls. But so much so that we ended up having to move. We had to leave the house. It wasn't stable. There was no stability there. We were afraid that the walls would start literally falling down. Because whoever had poured the foundation and laid the foundation, they had not done a good job. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, friend, as as Christian, if you know Christ as your Savior, he says, I'm praying that Christ, that you would be rooted in the love of Christ, but grounded in the love of Christ. There has to be that good foundation. What is the foundation of our life? What is your foundation? Is it Christ or is it something else? Is your foundation your job? Is that what your foundation is and everything is being built upon? Is it your family? Your family is your foundation and that's what everything is being built upon? Is it your career? Is it your hobbies? What is, what is your life being built upon? Because if you don't have the right foundation, your walls are going to start cracking. And when your walls start cracking, that becomes very dangerous. And what's so sad is many Christians are living in crack houses. Many Christians are living in houses where the foundation is not good and the walls are cracking all around them because they did not build on the love of Jesus Christ. They did not build their foundation on Christ and Christ alone. They built it on something else. He says, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. I want you to think about what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. In verse number 46, he says, and please listen to this question first. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now think about this. Jesus is talking to those who are calling him Lord. We would think that he's referring to those who would be believers, right? He said, hey, Lord, we, we, the, the word Lord means master. You, we, we're looking to you as our Lord. We're looking to you as our master. And, and we're, we're saying that you are our Lord. And he says, wait a minute, hold on. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Because if I'm truly your master, if I'm truly your Lord, wouldn't you be doing what I've told you to do? He says, but the problem is you're calling me Lord, Lord, and not doing the things that I've told you to do. And then he gives this really interesting example. I think if you, were, if you grew up in church and in Sunday school, you probably even sang this song. This is where this song comes from, this passage. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand, right? This is where it, this is where it comes from. Watch. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. So he says, this is the example. I'm giving you an example here. If you're going to come to me, here's the example. He said, he is likened a man which built an house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the, steam, the, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it for it was founded upon a rock. 
He said, those that come to me and they say, hey, yes, Lord, I I love you and I'm going to obey you and I'm going to be obedient to you. He said, this is the one that does. You're not just hearing, but you're doing. He said, you're like that wise man that makes sure the foundation of your house is a solid foundation so that when the storms come, you don't have to worry about it. Watch the second person, he says. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So here's here's what he's saying. He said, man, the, the person that listens to what I say and does what I say is a wise man that is building his house upon a rock. But one that says, Lord, Lord, one that says, hey, I'm a Christian, one that says, yes, I know Jesus is my Savior, but I don't really care what God says. I don't really care what Jesus wants me to do. He said, he's like a foolish man. He's building his house upon the sand. Look, friend, I didn't say it. Don't get mad at me. Jesus said it. He said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? You see, it's easy to call ourselves a Christian. It's easy to say, Lord, Lord, but are we actually doing what he tells us to do? Well, but you don't understand my job. Well, then your foundation is your job. Well, you don't understand my family. Well, friend, let me tell you something. If if you're a husband and your family is your foundation, can I encourage you to come to the family conference? Because you need to understand, your family is not your foundation. Your family should not be your foundation. Well, my career or my hobbies or, or whatever. Hey, friend, you know, if you're a Christian here this morning, you have to understand, Jesus is saying, we are to be rooted and grounded in love. And it's not the love of the world. It's not the love of pleasure. It's not the love of sports. It's not the love of family. It's not the love of career. It's not the love of money. That love is the love of Jesus Christ. That is the love we are to be rooted and grounded in. And he says, if you're going to call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say, he said, you are like a man that is building his house upon the earth. There is no foundation in it. And guess what happens? When the storms of life come, and they will come, your house is going to fall apart. It's already cracking. The question is, are you going to stay there and let it fall down around you, or are you going to get out? And actually build a house that's built on the right foundation. He uses architecture. He said, I want you to be rooted and grounded in love. He says that ye being rooted and grounded in love, notice verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. So Paul uses two examples, botany and architecture, as examples of stability. The roots of that tree give it stability. The foundation, the right foundation gives it stability. It's got to be the love of Christ. But now he shows us not the example of stability, but now he shows us the magnitude of his love. 
Think about what he says. We may be able to comprehend. The word comprehend means to fully grasp. To fully grasp this. And I'm going to be very honest with you. I don't know how to describe the love of Christ. We know what Scripture says. We know the Bible says, for God so loved the world. We know the Bible says that God is love. But how do you fully comprehend? How do you fully understand the love of God? In our finite minds, can I say it's, it's almost impossible. But Paul says, as best as I can, I'm going to try to give a, a, a picture. I'm going to try to give an illustration to help us understand, to comprehend. And this is what he says, may be able to comprehend with all saints. Again, please understand, this is something that he says that every Christian ought to understand. Every Christian ought to fully grasp this. Because can I tell you, if you'll fully grasp this concept of the magnitude of his love, you won't have a problem building a solid foundation. You won't have a problem saying, hey, you know what? I've got the wrong foundation. I need to put it back on Jesus Christ. He says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Paul uses dimensional language here. It's dimensional. He, he's used botany. He's used architecture. Now he's using dimensional language. He's trying to, to show us a picture, if you could say, the breadth. And again, I, I don't think I can fully explain this well, but in in just the, the limited understanding and knowledge that I have as I think about what Paul is saying here, the breadth of his love. Think, if you could, of the, the outstretched arms of Jesus Christ when we think of the breadth. And yes, I understand that Jesus' arms were nailed to the cross, but can I tell you something? Spiritually, his arms did not just end there. What is the breadth of his love? That he would say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That he would say in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Do you understand what Jesus said? He said, I am the door. And anyone... That the breadth of his love is so wide, he said, if there's anyone, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done. And I've heard people say, well, pastor, you just don't understand what I've done. There's no way that God could ever love me. There's no way that God could ever forgive me. Friend, the breadth of his love is so great, you can never understand how great it is. Friend, that he would be willing to save even one sinner Shows us the breadth of his love. But not just one, that, but he would be willing to say that any who would come, 
I am the door, and by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Any that want to be saved, they're free to come. He said, my love is so great. He said, there's nothing that you could ever have done that he said, I cannot forgive. The breadth of his love, the height, or excuse me, the length, the length of his love. All I could think in thinking about the length of his love is just eternity the length of it from eternity past Jesus loved us before we were ever created he loved us and and not just loved us but the Bible tells us in Revelation but that before the foundations of the the world were framed that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world So that God already knew that even though we were going to sin, God already had a plan to save us from our sin and and to forgive us. And that plan was through his son, Jesus Christ. And we hadn't even been created yet. The length of his love that from eternity past, that as God is planning to create everything, he says, hey, I already know that they're going to sin. I already know they're going to turn against me. I already know they're going to reject me. But hey, I've still got a plan for them to come back to me, and that's going to be through my son, Jesus Christ. The the length of his love. And can I tell you, that love has not stopped. Yes, Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but he loved from eternity past all the way to eternity future. The length of his love, the breadth of his love, the depth, the depth of his love. It goes all the way to the cross. Not just the forgiveness of our sin. But he says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 8, and being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The depth of his love. As he took our sin upon himself. So that he could save us from the judgment and the wrath of God in hell. Do you understand what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The depth of God's love, the depth of the love of Christ was that he was willing to be made sin for you and for me. He was sinless. He had no sin. The creator of the universe was willing to come and be born in a stable to live a perfect life not just to die on the cross, but the Bible says when he died, he became sin for us. Now you think about a righteous, holy God 
who cannot look upon sin, in fact, so much so that when Jesus Christ took your sin and my sin upon himself, that the Father had to turn his back away, and Jesus cries out and said, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why he was willing to be forsaken? Because of your sin and my sin. Why was he willing to go to the cross? Why was he willing to become sin? Friend, that's the depth of his love. You and I deserve to die and go to a devil's hell. That's what we deserve. That's because of our sin. And he was willing to take it. And you're going to say, God doesn't love me. Oh, friend, you don't understand the magnitude of his love, the breadth of his love, the length of his love, the depth of his love, the height. If God was willing to reach down into the pit of hell to save us, think about the height of his love. That not only was he willing to reach down into the pit of hell and save us, But when we think of the height, the highest thing that we can think of is the glory of God. The highest thing we can imagine is heaven. There's nothing beyond. Heaven is is the height of whatever we could think of. And that Jesus Christ would be willing to come not only to bleed and to die and become sin for us, but then as he is rescuing us from the depths of hell to say, hey, not only can I save you from the depths of hell, but I'm going to take you far above where you could ever even imagine. And he tells us in John chapter 14, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. You want to talk about the height of his love. That he would be willing to take poor lost sinners like you and me. And give us a home in heaven. To allow us to be with him for all of eternity. To think that you and I as created beings who sinned against God. Could have a place with God in his glory for all of eternity. Man, hallelujah for that. Paul's saying, let me, let me try to explain to you the, the, the magnitude of his love. Man, the, the, the stability of his love, the being rooted and grounded in his love, man, that's important, but understand the magnitude of what he has done for you. The, the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Again, how do you measure something that is unmeasurable? Even in just just the the limited description that we can describe, we still cannot fully even comprehend his love. In Psalms 103, he says, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. What a God. Paul says, I'm praying he would grant you that you would receive and be rooted and grounded in love and understand to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Why is it so important for us to understand this? 
Why is it so important for us to understand to be rooted and grounded in love? Why is it so important for us to understand the magnitude of his love? Because notice what he says as he ends verse number 19, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Can I tell you something this morning? If you're not strengthened with Christ, then you're not filled with the fullness of God. If you're working in your own strength and not in the strength of Christ, then you're not being filled with the fullness of God. You understand what Paul is saying here? You recognize and see that what Paul is saying, he says, if if what we are doing for God lacks the, the love of God, then we are, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. If there's no love in it, it's just it's just noise. If there's no love in our service for God, then it becomes easy for us to quit. If our lives are not rooted and grounded in love, what happens? We wither and we fade. How many Christians wither and fade? Because they're not rooted and grounded in his love. It's easy for us to take love for granted, to take his love for granted. We can say, oh, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I've experienced his love. And it's easy for us to take it for granted. But here's the thing we must remember. We are not just the benefactors of love, but we are to be living a life of love. A life of love. Showing the love of Christ. Again, he says that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You want to talk about strength? When we know the love of Christ, God says we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Not just the Spirit, not just the Son, not just the Father, but all the fullness of God. So that in our character, in our conduct, in our conversation, we would be like Christ. So why aren't we? Could it be that we don't have the right foundation? Could it be that we're not rooted in the love of Christ? We've got some other foundation that we're building on, and it's not him. Could it be that we haven't stopped and thought about the magnitude of his love for us? Because, friend, can I tell you, when you stop and think about the magnitude of God's love and what he did for us, there is no excuse we can give. None. Oh, we can try. But let's be honest. There is no excuse. Are you filled with the fullness of God? You understand that's what he's praying? The fullness of God to be strengthened with Christ, to have the abiding Christ in us, to have the love of Christ as as we live our life that, that we would exemplify him to be filled with all the fullness of God. And yet so often, 
We just don't even care. As Christians, we're just going to live the life that we want to live. It doesn't matter what God says. He says, friend, you're either wise, you're building on the right foundation, or you're foolish and building on sand. You can call him Lord, Lord all you want, but that doesn't change what you're building on. What are you building on? What is your foundation? Do you fully understand the magnitude of the love of Christ to recognize what he has done for us? To say, Lord, I have no excuse. Here's my life. Whatever you want with it, it's yours. I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How sad with so many Christians claiming Lord, Lord, claiming the name of Christ. And yet we don't experience the fullness of God. We take his love for granted. We're not rooted. We're not grounded in his love. We just live life the way we want to live it. Friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Friend, his love was so great. He was willing to come and die on a cross for your sin. He was willing to be made sin for you and for me. So that we could have the righteousness of God. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died where I would go. Friend, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can be saved. Maybe that's you this morning. Nobody else is looking about, not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. But I would like to know more about how to be saved. I'd like to know more about how I could have my sins forgiven. How I could have a relationship with Jesus. Would you just slip your hand up and put it right back down? Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you this morning. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Yes, God bless you. Somebody else. Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Christian, what about you? You say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. And what's your foundation? Are you building on the love of Christ? Are you rooted in the love of Christ? You understand the magnitude of his love for us? And friend, can I ask, what excuse can we really give to say, I just won't serve him? I just won't follow him. We're like that foolish man that's building his house upon the ground. When God wants us to be the wise man building his house upon a rock. Which one are you this morning? Lord, Lord? Are you just calling him 
but we're not doing what he says? Or are we building truly on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Saying, Lord, here's my life, whatever you want. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, help us not just to be hearers, as we've already heard today. Not just to hear and be like that foolish man that builds on the, on the earth. Lord, help us to be the wise man that hears your word and desires to build upon the rock. Truly understanding the magnitude of your love. To know there's no excuse we can give not to serve you. Father, would you bless now the invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.